This is the Level Flight Podcast. Welcome back to the fifth episode of the Level Flight Podcast. Uh, if you've already noticed, it's me, Brian. <laughs> I'm back. Um, unfortunately, though, we are without Elliot today. He is doing the uh, very respectable thing of taking care of his dental hygiene. But I do have Connor here with me today. Hello, hello. What a responsible man Elliot is. Listen, you, sometimes you just got to make sure that you you know take care of your teeth. And that's uh, that's important. So to all the all the kids listening to this, brush your teeth constantly, and go to your regular hygiene checkups. We are a hockey podcast, so teeth is a is a big thing. <laughs> yeah. So if if you're a hockey player, uh, and perhaps you might be missing a few teeth, take care of the ones that you still have. Yeah. Sponsors, please hit us up. <laughs> yeah. Listen, if uh, Children's Dental World is listening. Yeah. You know where to find us. Exactly. We have a really busy show today because since we last recorded, there has been four games, including several really notable things happening. Um, overall, though, really, really good week. Yeah. I mean, it started rough. It really did. With the Minnesota game, but the the bounce back was great. But that Minnesota game, there isn't really much to go over. They just sucked. Everyone was awful. Yeah, um, so six one loss uh, against the Wild. Everything about that game was just. Y- it looked as if the Jets had left their team in Winnipeg before they went down. So, uh, what's nice though about that is very clearly, they shook that off because they went down to Dallas in in perhaps one of the most controversial games of the year. Uh, uh, took that one five four in overtime. The only thing about the Minnesota game that I took away from was I was scared of what happened last year where the same week as Black Friday, they got smoked in Minnesota, and that was kind of where their season fell apart. I was scared that that was going to happen, but yeah, like you said, they shook it off. Dallas, on the road, good team. Um, they they played great. Obviously, the big takeaway from that is the Hellbuck incident, and we'll get into that in a second, but... Um, they won five four in overtime. Five different goal scorers. Yeah, um, that's what this team is like, kind of all about right now. Is everyone scoring? Top six, bottom six, defenseman Josh Morrissey doesn't matter. Um, everyone's chipping in, and that game was was the exact same. Yeah, and it's also showing that Dallas is going to be one of those teams that's probably going to hang around and be because that was our final regular season. Yeah, matchup. so a long there is a chance that we might see them later on this year. Uh, in potentially a divisional uh, battle uh, if things hold somewhat similar. So players to keep an eye on, though, I, somehow they have to find a way to shut down Jason Robertson. No one has been able to yet. No one can. He's leading, is he's leading the league in goals now? Or, or I'm not sure, actually. I think he's leading it in November for sure. I think mm. he has more than anyone else this month. Okay. But uh, he's just... That's why I could not understand why Dallas wouldn't just fork over the money for him. I know, but at the same time, if you look at it from the other side, Robertson only is getting, what, 7.7 for the next four years, and he's like a heart candidate this year? Like, that's insane. I thought that contract was a little short. I agree with you. I don't know why they didn't go eight years, 10 million. Try and lock him in. Yeah, but I don't know. It seems like it'll work out for the next four years at least. But yeah, we saw a great response, though, against the... You know, offensive firepower of Dallas with uh, some new look lines uh, making their debut in uh, 
in Dallas saw uh, the top two lines especially were important to look at because you saw um, the the wingers flip mm-hmm. and Shifley is now with Wheeler and Perfetti and they actually they opened the scoring um, and then you saw uh, Dubois and Connor uh, put together and then they've actually had a bit of a revolving door of line mates over the last few games which we're going to get into a lot more later yeah um but in that game i believe it started with uh sam gagne right um, who ended up being a scratch in chicago it's yeah. all over the place but then eventually uh jonson fialbi made his way up there but it, it was a, a shake-up that seemingly sparked something offensively right um because especially that uh shifley wheeler perfetti line that game and since then has been just unreal to watch. Um, the game finished off with a, an incredible uh, turn of events that inevitably... Uh, that is one way to put it. Yeah, uh, culminated in an overtime in which Josh Norrissey, that's not me misspeaking, um, <laughs> got the overtime winner. But even that ended up being a little bit overshadowed by the play that resulted in the tying goal with less than a minute left. If you're not aware of what happened, which that would be shocking if if you weren't, (laughs) um, in the last minute of the game, uh, Morrissey and Ben were uh, jostling beside the net. Uh, Eventually, Morrissey ended up doing a little bit of a shove job on Ben, which knocked him into Hellebuck beside the net and knocked Hellebuck's helmet off as it went flying into the corner. The play continued for another, you know, 10, 15 seconds with Hellebuck lying face down outside the crease, covering his head for his own safety. Play was not blown dead. Dallas ties the game. Uh, Obviously, it's great that the Jets came back and won that one, but there's a lot bigger of an issue involved here, and that's actual player safety, which uh, Hellebuck actually spoke quite uh, eloquently about it, about how they made a mistake and put him at risk. Um we're trying to keep ourselves from going too long on this one because we could talk about this for hours. Uh, but I'm going to just come out and say it, uh, and I know a lot of people agree with me. The way they enforced that rule was totally off base. They yeah. Just awful. That play should have been blown dead. That could have resulted in so much worse than a goal. Yeah, and I think one of the biggest issues with the play was... I believe it did go to a review, but they reviewed for goalie interference instead yeah. of a missed stoppage. I don't I don't even know if you you can't even review for a missed stoppage like when the goalie's helmet come off. I don't even think that's a thing. No. But it's not goalie interference because Morrissey pushes Ben into Hellebuck, who's kind of leaning outside of the crease. No one's arguing that it's goalie interference, but it is clear cut a missed stoppage. Like yeah. Ben Ben doesn't get an assist on the goal. There's four passes are made all the way out to the point, shot from the point and in. That's not an immediate scoring chance. Yeah, let's just to quickly circle back here. The NHL rule, I believe it's rule 9.6. Um, <laughs> that a lot. It uh, states that the play will only be blown dead when the goaltender loses uh, his helmet or other equipment if there's not an immediate or uh, impending scoring chance. Um, from what we saw, as you said, there was four passes between the time that the uh, helmet came off and the time that the puck ended up in the net. Uh, the meaning behind the word immediate and impending uh, seems to be negated there because I actually I saw something uh, that said the time that it took for the puck to end up in the net was the same amount of time that it took from Josh Morrissey to skate from center to score the overtime winning yeah. goal. Um oh. I wouldn't call Morrissey at center ice uh, with the puck 
impending. No. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it feels like that rule needs to be changed because uh, hypothetically, let's say, because that puck came from above the slot. Mm-hmm. Let's say that puck gets deflected. Mm-hmm. That could nail Hellebuck in the side of the head. Or and the, then he has a detrimental concussion and... Well, Who knows when he's coming back? Like you know? the, it, Obviously, yeah. it's entirely a different uh, situation, but I remember uh, quite a few years back, um, Matt Zuccarello, when he was playing for the Rangers, was hit in a spot sort of behind his ear, which is where essentially the only spot that it could have hit Hellebuck. Mm-hmm. Um, he had to essentially relearn uh, par- like portions of his speech yeah. because that's such a dangerous area to be hit. And Brian Little as well. Oh, that yeah, that, that's yeah. even a, a more yeah. you know relevant situation to the Jets. Yeah. Um, the issue that I'm having as well is there's a lot of comparisons being drawn to the more recent, you know, like actual bring up of this rule. Mm-hmm. And it was more recently with, uh, it was, in, was it in the cup final last year? Yes. The Darcy Kemper, is that the one you're talking about? Yeah. yeah. But they showed it on TSN at the intermission. It's not even remotely no. close. It was a bang, bang play where the puck hits Kemper in the mask the mask hits the ice, and by the time it hits the ice, the puck's going into the net. Yes. That is an immediate scoring chance. Kemper's actually in the motion of, like, diving across to make a save. Yeah. While uh, his helmet is, like, slowly falling off, and I believe it's Sorelli or one of their amazing yeah. middle six forwards, uh, is whack- whacking the puck into the net, and it's that's an immediate scoring chance. Craig Button tried to say, well, look at this. This is an immediate scoring chance. This is like the Hellebuck one, but he actually proved the opposite point. In saying, like, no, that's an actual example of the puck falls straight down in the crease, and there's a guy there to whack it home. The puck doesn't get passed side to side to the point, shot from the point. Like, I don't know. It's a lot of what has needed to be said has already been said, but it's not immediate. Like, no. this, like everyone's trying to frame it like, well, what is an immediate and impending scoring chance? That's what we need to figure out. Well, I'll tell you right now, the Hellbuck goal is not it. That's not no. an example. Like, the Kemper one is. You can find probably a ton of examples that are. The Hellbuck one is a clear example of what is not. Yeah. Yeah. So like that, that. That's also... I don't want to leave the discretion up to the officiating crew because we found out that that can be iffy at best. Yeah. But you'd think there would be a point of like, maybe we should blow this dead when a goalie who may have just suffered a head injury is lying face down on the ice holding his head. Yeah. <laughs> um I don't know, it just well, I also I saw something. We were talking about this yesterday or the other day. Uh in Boston. Mm. There was uh the game it was Boston and Carolina. Yeah. Um Allmark was uh in the crease. Uh there was chaos happening around him. One of his own players ended up falling on him uh and his helmet didn't even come off. Uh but he was laying almost the exact same way, face down, just outside of the crease, uh, and Carolina with the puck. In winding, the same spot as Ben. Winding like, up to shoot. Yeah. That play was blown dead. Yeah. What's different? Nothing. If anything, that, it's it, worse that they didn't blow it dead in the Hellebuck because his helmet was gone. Yeah. Allmark still had his helmet on, and they blew it dead. And Hellebuck said like he didn't even know if he could get up. He felt something in his neck that he didn't know. He was just protecting himself because he didn't know what that feeling was in his neck, and he didn't want to try and get up and damage it further. Like That's so scary to think about. And then, like you said, if... Like, what's the expectation there? Is Hellbuck without a helmet? Okay, it's an impending scoring chance. He's supposed to get up, up and face that Jason Robertson point shot. Like, yeah, let's uh, let's on. put my face like, out there. Let's uh, yeah, let's throw know. it back to the 1930s. Yeah, exactly. 
No, I that's don't know. that's. I I feel like as you said, everything has been said that kind of yeah. needs to be said on that. I this think this is almost like a week ago now. Yeah, which yeah. If if you haven't had a chance yet, go listen to Hellebuck talk about this. Mm. Uh, he does a good job of you know he took a day to kind of compose himself. Which is it was probably a good thing. He said it was a good thing he didn't speak after that game, and I agree. Like yeah, he, he would have been lashed out. Yeah, he would he would have been all over the place. But uh, no, he actually had a really good view on it, and um, I hope. I, I actually I didn't realize this. I think it was it may have been Button who who brought it up. Hellebuck's on the competition committee. Yeah, and he brought so, it up too. Yeah, uh, he uh, he should use that as a way to sort of get an oh, in on will. this. He will. Don't and, you worry. <laughs> yeah, and I I think that that's how things have to go but I, I think there has to be an adjustment to the rule uh, I don't exact I don't want to be the one to suggest things because there's always some weird you know framework yeah. to it uh, but something has to change because that could have wound up just being so terrible yeah but then he ended up starting in Chicago so he was fine which I was uh. talking to someone about this where normally Chicago worst team in the central <laughs> you'd start Riddick yeah my thought is maybe Hellebuck had a chat with bonus saying let me start uh, to see if it was just a one-time thing with that mm-hmm. neck, uh, and obviously you can tell you can tell certain things in practice, but game action is entirely different in terms of the speed of things. Yeah. So some something sort of made me think about that, and I was like, maybe that's why he started. Uh, yeah. Worked out well. Big yeah. win. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my main takeaway from that one is the Blackhawks are maybe going to get Connor Bedard. Like they are so bad. They're terrible. Yeah. They, they have basically one line. Where Kane and Anthony Siu kind of do things, but that's basically about it. Uh, they are bad everywhere else. Peter Mrazek started that game for them. Yeah, very not bad, good. not good. Well, that's um, the thing. I, I I'm giving as much credit as I possibly can to yeah. uh, Saku Manalainen, yeah. who had a really good game, two goals. That second goal, that was the snipe top shelf. It was a nice shot. Nice shot. It also helps though that Mrazek had no clue where his net was yeah <laughs> he was standing in the corner essentially I think half of the net was open yeah. yeah um no but but that's good this is this is something that the jets have had issues with in the past mm-hmm. where they don't take care of business against the bad teams which we're going to talk about this a little bit near the end here they need to uh do that against yes. uh the ducks and the uh, jackets this weekend yes because they are two just awful teams mm-hmm. they need to win those games um, to really sort of prove that one, they're a good team, but two, they they don't play to their opponent. Yeah, yeah, you got to beat the bad teams if you want to compete with the good teams. That's as simple as that. Which, boy, did they ever! Oh, uh, yeah. last night uh, against the Avs, a decisive five wow. nothing win. Wow. It uh, it was one of those situations where it just kept happening and you were just astounded as to how good things looked and it was a situation where I was watching this game and finally had the realization that I think to put it in your words the Jets are a wagon (laughs) yeah uh you you were just kind of waiting for there there were moments where McCarr and McKinnon were doing their thing and they had really good chances McKinnon had a had one at the side of the net where DeMello tied him up but if he doesn't that's a goal yeah, uh, but you're just kind of waiting for McCarr and McKinnon to get their three points and make this a game, but it just never really happened. Um, they had 40 shots. Hellbuck had a 40 save shutout, but it wasn't like it wasn't a classic Hellbuck 40 save shutout where the other team is generating so much and he's saving everything. It was it was it was manageable. Like there were still quality chances, but it Not wasn't that many. It wasn't. Um, 
Vegas. The oh. road game. It wasn't like that level. Of, it, it wasn't. Oh my god, we're getting pinned. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, shooting from right in front of them the entire night. Right. They yeah. did. A, the Jets actually did quite a good job of keeping them outside for mm-hmm. most of the night. Um, that was the thing. I, I immediately after the game, I, I saw the the actual shots on goal. I I went and checked. Um, it was ended. It ended up being relatively close in terms of the actual chances that were yeah. generated. So it was very much, uh, you know, the whole quantity quality debate, where the Jets just made more of their chances uh and obviously that they ended up in the net uh thanks to a hat trick from blake wheeler who is on on a mission this year yeah he uh he looks good the everyone wants to put it like oh he lost the captaincy so he's playing more free i think there is some truth to that but i also think um they're just using him kind of in a better role i mean yeah last year they were kind of defensive uh playing him 20 minutes a night kind of thing i i this line this new line i think is really going to do wonders for him obviously he got a hat trick it's good to say that in hindsight but perfetti shifley wheeler great last night jets are now first in points percentage in the central yep uh morrissey again had a goal and an assist josh norrissey he's he's continuing i'm, I'm kind of waiting for him to slow down but i don't like, want it to like, happen <laughs> no i don't i don't want it to but i'm expecting like Oh, at some point here, he's gonna go like four games without a goal, and then it just he keeps scoring OT winners or like big goals, and it's that's it's the thing, very impressive. It's not garbage time stuff. No, it's not. You know, you're down, you're just trying to you know put pucks at the net. He's scoring big goals. Yeah. Um. You know, put the was it? Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he got the second goal after the the disallowed on goaltender interference, which was goalie interference. That that was actually that was a good call. <laughs> yes, uh, correct I, call. <laughs> I tweeted out like Jets fans have PTSD from the Hellbuck incident. So, the, like the booing after when like the ref says no goal, I get that. But that actually is goalie interference. Yeah, it was. It, uh, it was. You know, <laughs> Johnson didn't move. Wheeler forced his way in there. Yeah. Knocked the skate out of uh, Georgiev, yeah. and obviously it didn't end up mattering because within the next five minutes, Morrissey yeah. <laughs> ended up scoring, making it two nothing anyways. So, yeah, yeah but Morrissey's now up to uh, twenty five points, which t- puts him tied for second in defensive scoring. Still the leading scorer on the team. Yep. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, he's. Uh, uh, currently sitting uh, seven points back of Eric Carlson. Um, so good. But the gap has been narrowed a little yeah, bit. Yeah, it sure has. Um, I, last night, the TSN broadcast kind of made a thing out of like, oh, we're seeing McCarr versus Morrissey. And that kind of took me a few periods to get used to. Like, yeah. I can't believe it's like a defensive, elite defenseman battle between McCarr and Morrissey. But then Morrissey ended up having the better game. So yeah. I can't even dispute that. Um I still think McCarr is the best defenseman in the league, but it's crazy just to mention Morrissey amongst a guy like McCarr. And I, I, I do think at this point it's time to start crediting the stuff that uh, Bonus was preaching in the preseason where he wanted guys to get more active uh, on the uh, defensive group. And clearly that game has benefited him the most. And it's been very nice to see uh, that's he's 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 had some offensive touch in the past, but last year clearly was just not his year. There's a lot going on off the ice for him too. Mm-hmm. Um, so having this uh sort of happen after such a tough year just must feel so great for him. Yeah, and hockey fights cancer night. I mean, that means so much to him after what he and his family went through. It's nice to see him get a goal. Great ceremony before the game. The hockey fights cancer ceremony is always a great one. Um. 
honoring those five people and how they're fighting and all that. But on the ice, it was dominant. And I, I actually had a, a pretty big hot take after this game. I mean, when you beat the defending champs 5 nothing, this is going to happen. But I have a take that I don't even know if it's hot anymore. The Jets are going to win a playoff series this year. And if they buy a top six forward at the deadline, they'll win two or more. Bang. Yeah. So if they if they go out and they get a Sam Ryan Hart who's been mentioned, if they Timo Meyer. Timo Meyer, if they if they if they give up a first and a defensive prospect, Hanela in a first, or like Chaz Lucius in a first, like if they go all in, I honestly think this team can make the Western Conference Finals. And that's the thing too, where forward wise I've I've had this discussion. I put out an article. By a guy named Nikolai Ehlers at the deadline. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um I've I've had this discussion uh and I wrote an article about it um where I, I obviously they're they're doing really well right now. Uh I'm still of the mindset that their forward depth could use some improvement. Um that being said, <laughs> the new look lines, uh especially last night, the fo- the focus was more heavily on uh Perfetti Shifley and Wheeler, Perfetti. but Cole Perfetti. Oh, oh my, my God. he's <sighs> he's finding his way to just be so smart with the puck. I, I have I have so much fun watching what he does passing. That little um, you know in and out move in the backhand pass oh, to Wheeler yeah. was just outstanding. And I know a lot of uh, talk has gone about Perfetti's underlying numbers, and they don't look great. No. I'm willing to bet that. Once this line starts, you know, really getting going, you're going to see a major bounce. He just seems more comfortable. He seems yeah. more uh, willing to try things because of, you know, the other guys in his line. Um, from what I can tell, too, Wheeler's been very, very good with him in terms of uh, their communication. They were talking a little bit about that uh, after the game as well. Um, but no, I, I think he's going to see a bounce uh, a bounce back of his underlying numbers to support the fact that he is now the second rookie leading scorer yeah. uh, with 14 points this season. Yeah, I, I am of the mindset where I like using analytics to determine whether player, like whether it's lining up with what I'm seeing. And this is an example where I do not believe what the analytics are saying. Like, yeah. Perfetti looks unbelievable. You mentioned that pass to Wheeler on the... Oh. What little dip shoulder fire it back? I mean, he's he looks way more comfortable. We talked about getting him a shooter, um, on a couple pods ago. We didn't know it would be Wheeler. Who, yeah, who I was anticipating it maybe being Shifley. Yeah, that's what no. I thought. <laughs> Blake Wheeler, elite scorer. Yeah, apparently. Well, yeah, we wanted to get him a shooter, so we put Wheeler with him. It says no one ever, but yeah, it worked out last night. That line looked really good. I really like putting Connor with Dubois, and they tried Baron. To start the game, the first two periods they tried Baron. I liked that move in theory. Like looking, I thought, oh, it might work. It really did not work at all. I didn't hear his name like once. No, outside of like the first shift, where I think Dan Robertson had a little thing where he mentioned that his brother used to play for the Avs. Right. And then from that <laughs> point forward, I don't think I heard Baron's name. Yeah, and uh, Garrett Hole references on Twitter, but he was tracking like entries and stuff like that. And basically Baron was just dumping the puck in way too much for a top six line. When you have Connor Dubois on your line, you want possession of the puck. You yeah. want to create stuff offensively. And when you're dumping the puck in, it's not going to go too well. So he's more of a, a bottom six, you know, play with Lowry, main a line and dump the puck in, go get it kind of thing. With Connor Dubois, you want controlled entries. You want to create off the rush, stuff like that. But he was just dumping it in too much. I don't know if, if it would work, if like they focused more on him just carrying it in, 
uh, but it did not work last night. And then they went back to Janssen Fialbi for the third. I don't know. Um, I actually don't mind AJF on the yeah. the line purely because of his speed creating. And also, if you do decide that you want to dump it in, he's probably going to win that race. Yes, he's um, fast. I, preferably, I'd like someone who has a bit of a scoring touch, whether it be with the playmaking side of things or a shoot. Honestly, probably a playmaker would be best because yeah. you've got Connor and then Dubois does a little bit of everything in terms yeah. of playmaking and shooting. Um, yeah, I, I think it'd be, it, it'll be good for them to figure something out on that line because then you have two very reliable uh, you know, lines to start off your, your lineup there. But as of late, they've got some decent contributions from the bottom six yeah they're they're weirdly starting to score goals like throughout this year they've been really responsible defensively and they've contributed to a great penalty kill and that's kind of been their mo but recently uh like jansen harkins got a couple goals mikey Icemont scored um adam lowry's having a really good season yeah david gustafson is having an unbelievable year hop on the bus folks hop on the gus bus i I have a question for you. I, I'm wondering if you know this be, or what you think about this because with Lowry and Gustafson being third and fourth line yeah. centers, I think they're going to keep it like that. Do you think the wingers, like there's kind of a bunch of wingers that are just kind of being shifted around. Do you think they're interchangeable right now? Just kind of like no matter who you put with Lowry and Gustafson, they're going to succeed? Yeah, I, I Honestly, I this is largely the reason as to why I'm curious about adding another forward is because a lot of these guys have very similar skill sets. Um, they're very, for the most part, they're fairly decent on the defensive side of the puck. Um, you've got guys like Asimont who are, they're energy guys. He's kind of like a Brandon Tanev where he'll send himself into a, a pile in the corner with absolutely no uh, you know, recognition of physical injury that he could <laughs> end up sustaining. Yes, exactly. Um, but you also have someone like, Manalainen, who, to be honest with you, a few games ago, I was convinced that he was going to be uh, the odd man out uh, when things were starting to happen uh, with uh, coming back from injury and all that. He's actually, he, that Chicago game seemed to help his confidence. I think it may have been a confidence issue because yeah. he looked really good, I yeah. think, against uh, Colorado. Yeah, I ran a poll before the Chicago game on yeah. Twitter on when uh, Barron comes back who should they kind of scratch and take out? And it was kind of unanimously Saku. And up until that point, I agreed. I was like, you know what? Yeah, that's a pretty good point. Like, he hasn't really done much. And then, of course, he comes out and scores two goals and looks great. But he's more of a – I think he's, he's he fits best with Lowry. He's They're forechecking. They're, yep. they're playing defense. They're, they're doing stuff like that. But, again, Gus and Lowry play such similar styles that I think if someone works with Lowry, like AJF or – uh, Saku, they're going to yeah. be good with Gus as well. And back to to circle back on my point, I know it's early to talk trade deadline, but let me know what you think of this lineup. If you go Perfetti, Shifley, Ehlers, Connor Dubois, acquisition, yeah. blank acquisition, uh, Appleton, Lowry, Wheeler, AJF, Gus, Barron. That's a very difficult line to play. Yes, against. yes, like that. That third, those third and fourth lines. Maybe even go like AJF, Lowry, or I don't even know, like. If you want a four-checking line, like pure four-checking, maybe you go AJF, uh, Gus, Appleton, and then you go Bear and Lowry, Wheeler to kind kind of do both. But I think making a top six top six acquisition really elevates the the group to like another level. I think with how Wheeler's playing, obviously it'd be tough to swallow to see 
um, how he's been doing. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it would obviously it would be seen as a demotion if he's playing third line minutes. That being said, uh, he is one of the bigger energy guys on the team. It seems this year, like yeah. he's he's do he's you know laying the body. He's yeah. forechecking well. Uh, he I, I, honestly he profiles well as someone uh, who plays in your middle six uh, who can score. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. If you have someone on the other side of Lowry, let's say you put them who can actually put the puck in the net, mm-hmm. um, you might actually get some decent contributions out of that line. Yeah, and Wheeler with like limited minutes and like kind of power play specialist type, I really think can can kind of use his energy like fixate it more on like stuff that's actually valuable to the team when he's playing 20 minutes a night like he was last year 21 minutes on the top line uh at 35 years old now he's 36 but that's not a recipe for his success i think him being on the third line would really be beneficial to him and the team well what's interesting too is we're even going to see some shuffling probably somewhat soon uh, there has to be a move made um, for Logan Stanley to be activated right. off of the injured list. Uh, he's practicing in a regular jersey right now, yeah. which means he's not far off. No. Um, I'm assuming, considering Sandberg's been in since the injury, uh, and he seems to be clicking with Schmidt. Um, I mean, fairly well. Like it's it's you're it's what you're expecting out of your third pairing. I don't see Stanley coming back in and just taking the lineup spot. Uh, and no. and I also don't see Sandberg being the guy, who, even though he's waivers exempt, being sent down to make room. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah. So you need to make a move to open a spot for him on the roster. So I'm thinking it's going to be a forward. Right. So is um, it Mikey or Jansen? I, this is my hot take. Okay. I'm going to say I don't know how ready he was to return and I don't know how they feel about this because I, I clearly they have confidence in his ability to step back in because they put him on the first line. I think Morgan Barron might actually be destined for a few games with the Moose. Wow. Um, I don't think it's going to be like a demotion because of performance per se. I But the fact that he came in, he played two periods on the top line, really didn't show yeah. anything, uh, and then was tossed down to the, the fourth. Um, yeah. I think there there could have been a thing of maybe he needs a couple of games to get up to speed. You put down a forward though, you can make some other decisions. I will say this: I think as of yesterday, so the Tuesday, I believe um, Harkins is no longer uh, waivers eligible. Oh, really? Uh, I I think he passed his thirty days. Oh. So which means he would have to pass through waivers. Um, which now that you're getting into this point of the season, you might see someone like him get claimed because of injury depth. And I'll be honest, I've actually been kind of impressed with how he's looked. Yeah. Um, clearly that stint with the Moose where he was scoring at will, yeah. um, it gave him a little bit of confidence and maybe he adjusted how he was doing something. I haven't, I, he's got two goals in his last two games. Yeah. Um, so I think that that's something that to watch for. But I honestly, I think Baron, for honestly, for his own good, just to maybe get a little bit more up to speed, put him down there, top line minutes. Um, give him a few games, see what's happening then. You've got some breathing room in terms of the uh, the call-up limit on Acemont. Yeah. So perhaps Acemont doesn't... He's not showing you anything new, and you need to make a move, and you want to get Baron back up. Say Baron goes down and succeeds. It might be Mikey going down. Um, there's a few guys that you know could be put on waivers that you can be reasonably sure that even if they get claimed, it's not a massive loss. Yeah. 
Um, but no, my yeah, my hot take is I think it's going to be Baron. I I disagree because I still think ever since the start of training camp, like Baron missed that first week there, and then as soon as he came back, he, they immediately put him on the third line next to Lowry. They didn't even like like that would have been a good chance for him to be put down with the moose or get up to speed. I just think that they've they've really wanted Baron to be a thing on the third line, so they're going to try their absolute hardest to do that. And, like, Isomont had the good game against Carolina. He works really hard, and he's kind of like Saku, but short and, like, a ball of energy. Yeah. Um, I still think that between Harkins and Isomont, which one do you think has proven more to stay up? In terms of counting stats, Harkins. Yes. Um, Do you think Iceman has made up for it, though, like in working hard and forechecking and defensively responsible stuff? Viewing this from the eyes of Rick Bonus, because he really values the effort you're putting on the ice, because I I look back to the uh, little chat he had with Saku in training camp. Right. Where he goes, we're not looking for goals. We're not looking for points. We're looking for you to be responsible. We're looking for you to contribute to the team that way. I honestly think that Mikey has done enough, at least in the short term, that he's impressed Bonus to stay in this forward group. Um, I wouldn't disagree with that. Harkins, while he's put up, uh, you know, the, the points, a couple couple goals since he's come back up. Um, in between those, um, I haven't necessarily noticed him. That might be no. a good thing because he hasn't really done anything badly. But right. with Mikey, you notice him, you know, working as hard as he possibly can to force a turnover. Um, so it's, I, I honestly, I don't know between those two. It becomes, as I said, more difficult with the, the waivers issue now with Harkins, um, which I obviously does put Asimon in a notable disadvantage. Yeah. But I think he's making it very difficult on the, the, the team figuring this out. Yeah, he definitely is. Uh, Tony Nato's also not waivers exempt, if I'm not mistaken. I'm looking think, at Cap Friendly right now. I, they don't have it listed. So I don't think he is, but he is someone that would have to pass through. He's one of the ones I didn't say it, but I think he's one that might be able to without claim. He's a little bit yeah. older. I also think they want to keep him though because they they scratched or he, they didn't scratch him. Gustafson was hurt in the Chicago game, Face-offs. and they brought him in for faceoff. So I wouldn't be shocked if they send down a winger like Harkins or Icemont and keep Tunnin out of there for the the faceoff. Uh, yeah. Insurance, I guess. Um, Perfetti's also waivers exempt, so you might see <laughs> might see him it. go down. Stop. <laughs> yeah. No, but I I agree. I think um, Isimont is the guy for me. He had a couple really good games, and yeah, he works hard and he he's really defensively responsible. But I think Harkins. We've been waiting for the offensive kind of not breakout because he has two goals, but he he's finally showing things. Like you could always see that he was a fast skater and he had. Some skills, but that that moose stint really helped him. Oh, absolutely. I think, I don't know, it's so tough. It's so tough to to know which one they're going to send down. But right now, I'd lean Icymont. I, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily say it's, like, unreasonable to say that. I, would, it wouldn't, I wouldn't be, like, viciously angry if that happened. It makes sense. I get it. Um, it's going to be weird, though, because there's a bunch of guys that play similar styles uh, that are all doing relatively the same thing in terms of production-wise. So they've got decisions to make. That's got to come soon. Um, I'm, I was just checking to see if anything had happened recently, but it sounds like, for the most part, Stanley is still working his way back, so he's a ways away. But um, that should, I would assume, come in the next week. Um, but 
with each passing day, though, it becomes harder because then uh, an AC Mont suddenly loses his, his waiver status. Right. And this goes back to the conversation we had like 10 minutes ago about the interchangeability of the wingers in the bottom six. Whether they send down Icymont or Harkins or whatever, I really think that no matter who's there on that fourth line left wing, they're going to do, like you said, what bonus asks of them, where they're going to play defensively responsible, they're going to work hard, yeah. and they're going to do their role because that's really what the bottom six is doing this year. Like, yeah, they're chipping in here and there, but they've been asked to shut down other teams and play on the penalty kill and do that well. And they're doing it. They're doing it good, but they're not really like. They're not being asked. I guess, I guess that's a place where you lean Icymont. Yeah. But they're not being asked to to chip in offensively, even though you'd think, because with Ehlers out, you might think bonus is like, hey, we need more scoring. Mm-hmm. But I don't think they're being asked to do that. So no matter who's on that fourth line with Gustafson, I really think they're just going to shut teams down and work hard. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Obviously, it's been a really... I mean, all things considered, if you erase the Minnesota game, it's been a really good week for the Jets. It has, yeah. Um, more recently, though, there's been a lot happening around the league. Uh, this actually, um, I'm calling a bit of an audible here, this happened during the pod today. Uh, it was just announced, um, some scary news out of Pittsburgh, Chris Letang has suffered a stroke. Whoa. Which is the second of his career. He had one, in, I believe, in 2014. Oh, my God. Um, Pittsburgh did announce that he is not experiencing any lasting effects, so um, obviously that's good to hear, but he's out indefinitely. Um, He's undergoing tests. uh, Very scary. um, And obviously, uh, we're all hoping that uh, he's okay. He's been such a a staple on that Pittsburgh team for so long, and uh, he's been really fun to watch with everything that he's done. So um, I'm hoping that it's it's hard to to see what the next steps are because it's indefinite. But right. uh, here's hoping that he can you know you know get, work through this and get back onto the ice at some point because uh, he's uh, he's a real exciting player to watch. Yeah, it's very scary. Um, obviously, the Penguins their on ice stuff doesn't really matter when something like that happens. You don't really care about like oh when is he going to be back? They need to make the playoffs. Like you just want him to get healthy and be better. So yeah, here's to hoping he's. He's okay. He himself is okay, and then he can worry about the hockey stuff. Later. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, all the best to uh, to Chris and his family as he works through this. Um, you know, hope, uh, hopefully everything uh, works out for him. Um, back to the uh, the hockey side of things, because obviously it's it's hard to think about, and you have to kind of put that into perspective. Yeah. Uh, perspective there, because yeah. you know, with a medical issue like that, it's it's hard to really you know put it into a scope, but. Um, in terms of the actual hockey side of things, quite a few things happened in the last week. Um, we were talking about Dallas and Jason Robertson earlier in his contract. They actually went out and they signed or they re-signed Rupe Hintz to an eight-year deal with an eight point four five million uh, annual average value. Tidy piece of work. Love that deal. Yeah. Uh, he's one. He's been one of my favorite players. There was a few years ago when he was uh, possibly on the market, and I was really hoping the Jets may have you know tried to get his, their hands on him. He ended up staying. Now he's there for the long haul. Um, one of my favorite players in the league in terms of how he plays. He just does so many things well. Um, not a thing to be found in the defensive zone. He's just so tidy that yeah. it doesn't, uh, it's never an issue for him. But that's uh, great work there from Dallas. Uh, it bugs me because 
oh, that's just going to make them, you know, good, good forever. Yeah. For um, the next four years until Robertson's up. Exactly. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, out of the, out of the central, um, more localized, but there's some, uh, some past figures from the Jets organization <laughs> making some noise in the Atlantic division. That is one way to put it. Um, the Florida Panthers are struggling. <laughs> like, if you're a Jets fan, you're you're kind of following them, kind of like how you do line A, see how many goals he's scoring. You're kind of, how's Maurice doing down in Florida? They, they're one three and three in their last seven games. They lost six two to Calgary last night in the Matthew Kachuk, Jonathan Huberto game. Uh, and this was Paul Maurice's quote after the game. We've been playing teams who were in the playoffs last year, and we've been right up there with them without our big dog. Now, that does not sound like accountability to me. Um, not at all. If you've if you've watched a Rick Bonus press conference this year, they'll win a game like the one against Colorado, five nothing, and he'll go, "Yeah, there's still stuff to work on." Where uh, Maurice, in a midst of a, they've won one of their last seven games, right? And he's going, "Oh well, we've been playing good." We like our game. It's like when Hellbuck has a bad game, like, but he doesn't have the track record to back it up like Hellbuck does. Well, that's the thing too. It would be like obviously, I, I would Barkov's an all-world player, and right. it matters when he's not in the lineup. But to put it on a similar scale, it would be as if we started losing games and Bonus came out there, didn't answer questions, and then said, "Oh no, the only reason that we're struggling right now is because we don't have Ehlers." Yeah, just wait for Ehlers to come back. We'll be fine. That's not like, how an NHL coach should approach things. Um, I have had my fair share of issues with the coaching style of Maurice. Um, and I think the Jets are just so much better off with, uh, at, at the very least, just how Bonus deals with the players and deals with accountability. Stylistically, I still think we're seeing the players learn it. I, I think about the halfway point, the All-Star break, we're going to have a full implementation of that, uh, that system that Bonus has. Uh, Maurice in Florida right now is fighting it with both the team it seems it does they don't seem to i think there was a some conversations about how they don't seem to have an identity which is very familiar maurice-esque um but also the fan base in florida is already getting very irritated with how things are being dealt with and how it's not even the fact that they're losing games it's how the response um is coming from the coaching staff Maurice doesn't seem to be taking any form of accountability or saying, oh, these players need to be better. It's just, we're doing good things. We're losing. That's it. Barkov's out. So that's why we're losing. It is what it is, I guess. No, like this is such a big thing with bonuses. He's preached accountability and how even when they were first in the central a few weeks ago, he was like, we want to be better. We're we're not where we want to be right now. We need to be better as a team. I don't know. Maurice is, they're outside of a playoff spot, 10-9-4. They're in the same division as Boston, Toronto, and Tampa, so I doubt they're going to climb back into the top three. You're looking at maybe a wild card. I doubt it. But they can't keep up with Detroit, even. Yeah. Detroit has surged ahead here, and they've been struggling a fair amount, but like obviously they're just, they're turning it around when they need to. Florida doesn't seem to have a plan. Yeah. It's... uh, it's fun to see as a Jets fan because there are people, and I was one of those people, who was on the Fire Maurice train for the better part of a year and a half yeah. after 2018-19, or the, the Canadian division. Uh, after that, I really was on that train, and they didn't even really let him go. He just kind of walked away, and 
it's really interesting to see that now with a new coaching staff because I don't want to like pat myself on the back here, but when a coaching when no changes are made to a lineup except for a coaching staff, and the, we're talking about the Jets winning a playoff series, yeah, like I don't know. Well, it's, Maurice himself said they needed a new voice. Yeah, uh, very clearly uh, he was correct. Yeah, um, I just I really. I'm going to think about this for a long time. I will never understand. Like, obviously, a lot of that was Coach Q's systems mm-hmm. in Florida. But Andrew Burnett held that ship down yeah. for most of that season. He knows what the systems were. He kept them going. Uh, that That's just, I don't get it, why they decided, okay, let's not pay Burnett just to keep the status quo Let's go and get someone who uh, has been proven to be a very low event, uh, yeah. no defense, uh, like good structure coach when they had actually started to find some success. Well, you know what their thought process was. I mean, they need someone with experience, with exactly. playoff experience, knows how to win a playoff series. Well, good luck golfing in, uh, in April because you're not going to be in the playoffs. No. <laughs> um, heading out west now. Uh, so we go from... Uh, East Coast to uh, to West Coast here. Uh, perhaps the most chaotic hockey game I have ever laid eyes on <laughs> in L.A. last night where Seattle ended up beating the Kings 9-8, which t- let's take us back to 2011 yes, where the, exactly. the Jets won 9-8 in Philly. Uh, the weird part about this one, though, is it was a 9-8 win in overtime. It was 8-8 uh, at the end of regulation. Um, I, there's not much to say about this aside from how bad it was. It just felt worth mentioning because it's been a or while. Or how since. good it was. Oh, yeah. Whichever way you want to look at it. <laughs> um, but it's the first time we've seen this many goals scored in a game in a long time. Uh, and it was even funnier because of how chaotic and, you know, at times just how sloppy it was that the overtime goal came on a power play after L.A. was too slow getting back to the bench and took a too-many-men penalty in overtime. Yeah. And then Andre Burakovsky came and ripped one past uh, Cal Peterson and ended it. Uh, I will say, I wrote an article about how Martin Jones was doing really well for Seattle. And then as soon as that article came out since then, he has allowed five goals and eight goals uh, in back-to-back starts. You just don't know what you're talking about, man. (laughs) Listen, at the time, at the time, it was fine. Like yeah. I'm, at this point, like it, it, Jones is gonna find me and blame me because like yeah, uh, I've I, ro- I wrote this I'm like hey this is he's doing great like this is it's not the Martin Jones we know and in came the Martin Jones we know uh, and suddenly <laughs> the only thing is though the difference is this season Seattle can score yeah they're, they're actually it, overcoming their goaltending issues yeah. they're not gonna score nine goals every game but they've scored eight and nine goals this week. Uh, that's pretty impressive, considering they had a, a very difficult time with their depth scoring last year. Well, if you think about it, their three big ads at forward were Bjorkstrand, Burakovsky, and Beneers, theoretically. Yeah, because it was his first full year this year. Yeah, and those three obviously are having an unbelievable year. Burakovsky had a few nice goals last night. That was, again, the most chaotic game I've seen in a long time. That too many men call in overtime. He had one skate on the ice, and one of his legs was like wrapping over the boards to get off. It was it was too many men. Like that is the rule. It's just like so funny how it ends on literally the toe of his skate being yeah. on the on the ice at the at the wrong time, I guess. But that's obviously avoided though if you actually yeah. you know busted back to the uh, the bench there because he yeah. was way down in the zone. Um, it's on a few different things, but uh, Tom McClellan can't be happy. 
uh, with Adrian Kempe taking his time. Obviously, he's tired, but taking his time getting back to the bench that led to that. What did you think of Martin Jones playing the whole game? Because um, the Kings made a goalie change, but the Kraken played Sunday, and then they play tomorrow. We're recording this Wednesday, so they play yeah. Tuesday, and they'll play th- um, Thursday. I'm assuming they'll start Grubauer on Right, but Thursday. why not pull Jones after like four goals on however many shots? See, this is a situation where I almost, I'm curious if Jones was like, no, I'll ride the cell. Yeah, I'm going to try and get my game back. And the um, Kraken were winning like most of the game. Like they would, the Kings yeah. would tie it up and then the Kraken would go up too. And, Sometimes, you know, pulling the goalie can have either a good effect on the team and have them rolling or a bad effect where it feels like you're failing him. And yeah. so, yeah, that game overall though, I mean, technically you can call it exciting because it's a lot of goals, <laughs> but it was one of those situations where more goals doesn't always necessarily yeah. mean it's just hard good to hockey. Watch. Yeah. Um, but there's a lot of things you look at and you go, oh my, what what happened there? Yeah, um, it was something else. But yeah, so that's what's happening around the NHL. This week on Friday, uh, the Jets are going to be playing uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets. Line a. There's a chance Line's back. He's been out with an ankle injury for the last little while, uh, but he was practicing today, uh, and there's talk that he might return. Uh, and then they play the Ducks on uh, Sunday. So, as I said earlier, two games that have to be taken advantage of because those are two bad, bad teams. You left out Florida on Tuesday, December 6th. Paul Maurice is back. Oh, we're probably, we might record before that too, depending on how things are going. True. That's one thing. Um, I'm not committing to a day that we're re- releasing an episode <laughs> in this next week. Um, as we've mentioned before, we're all students. Um, this next week, we have roughly six assignments due in the final first assignments, final assignments yeah. due in the first uh, you know three days of next week. Um, it's unfortunate. Uh, I'm celebrating uh, my 25th birthday on uh on sunday on uh and so it uh it's not going to be a fun birthday when Have i'm gonna fun be doing homework i'm gonna <laughs> be writing you know thousands of words for uh my you know several page papers that uh, uh i'm gonna have to push some things back for sure <laughs> but um no so we're hoping to get our regular uh, recording out, maybe uh, have it released on either Wednesday or Thursday. Obviously, we'll keep you guys updated on our social media. So it's at Level Flight Winnipeg on everything. Uh, so keep uh, tabs on us on that. Uh, but we're looking forward to having a nice little chat about uh, some future uh, so some future future games here with some past players and coaches. And what should be three wins, three home wins. Should be. Should be. Uh, two bad teams and a struggling team. Yeah. Uh, that that should be you should make easy Two bad work teams that. and palmeries ha huh, that's a better way <laughs> um but for now uh we're gonna wrap up here so uh from all of us here at level flight hope hopefully elliot's having some some good dental work being done yeah. right now uh but uh, yeah. on behalf of myself and connor here thanks for listening we'll see you next week go jets go jets You've been listening to the Level Flight Podcast.